Oh, why do we do it? Every single time we get to the end of the year, some bright spark thinks we should do an end of year list. Not one, but two end of year lists. And my word, are they one whopping great migraine when it comes to the world of professional wrestling because there's so much to choose from when all you fine folks are prepping for your new year's eve parties or googling the second verse to old lang syne we're here scrolling through our spreadsheet trying to come up with 15 of our favorite matches of this year brutal yet fun wouldn't change it for the world. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the wrestling podcast. That's wrestling spelled W R S T L I N G. It's all of the graps, but without the E. But of course, y'all know by now, me and G, we're not anti E, we're simply pro wrestling. My name is Liam. This guy is Gareth. Hey. And we're back on this New Year's Eve. We are on the brink of the year 2022. So it seems apropos to wrap up 2021 with our favorite matches list we could have spent the whole of new year's eve litigating over who should make it who should drop off you know where people should end up on the list it's lucky that we're actually going to make midnight celebrations at all considering the number of bangers that 2021 has produced yeah it's so true and even just looking ahead to the early portion of the calendar in japan for 2022 and you can see already you can already feel the early pangs of next year's headache because there's just so much great stuff already on the cards but man it's a good problem to have so last week we managed to resolve our happy list in pretty easy fashion i would say got a little bit flexible with the rules we're not afforded that sort of levity here we have bumped the list from 10 to 15. That's about as far as it goes, though. We are hard and fast. There's no chicanery in this <laughs> in, in this write-up. It Liam's is... not Darren Browned me again this, this week. No, no, I've been <laughs> I've been scolded. So we're we're stuck to the 15, which is which is probably for the best. So I should just say a little bit of housekeeping. Look, man, end of year lists, they're all over the shop. All we're saying with this list is this is our these are our 15 favorite matches of the year that we've seen that we've seen. It's not exhaustive because obviously we haven't managed to see everything. So there's going to be some that we've missed undoubtedly. And it's absolutely not a what's what were the best matches list because it's so subjective. So we've just literally leant into that and said, these are are the matches that were our favourites that spoke to us. What have we felt most strongly about? That's it. That's it. What could we sit and happily talk about at the end of the year? Because, you know, there's matches that from a technical standpoint are incredible, but, you know, they might not evoke any emotion. You know, they don't move you to talk about them. And I do think here... We've chosen 15 matches that do move us to, to talk about them, um, which is lucky because otherwise the podcast format would kind of fall apart. It would indeed. Yeah, absolutely. It would it would just be a list, <laughs> which is pretty popular on most wrestling sites. But hey, I digress. So let's just jump into this then. Number 15. Gareth, do you want to reveal our first entry? Yes, absolutely. So number 15 was two older gentlemen going to war. And absolutely two titles on the line. They absolutely smashed the living crap out of each other. And I loved every minute of it. I'm talking about none other than Takashi Sagura taking on Masato Tanaka for the GHC National and Zero One World title. 
um, at Kawasaki Go on the 15th of August from this year. This match just delivered and then some, um, from my perspective, you know, there's no, <laughs> realistically two people in either the very late 40s or early 50s. There's no reason why they need to go this hard. But I love that they do. Oh, yeah. Well, you've made the comment about Noah's cool uncles many a time. And it's absolutely true. You know, Tanaka is somebody that probably could have snuck his way onto the happy list as well, because mm, he's been all over the shop and producing frequent bangers as well. You all know how we feel about Segura, just the coolest. Yes. But man, when the bell rings, it gets serious with that guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, with titles on the line, there were some real stakes to this one. And yeah, very impressed indeed. These guys went hard in the paint. And, you know, a double title match that didn't end in a uh, time limit draw or, or any other sort of uh, funny business. Not even just a double title match, a double title between different promotions. Yeah. Crazy. You don't, you don't see that every day. No, very unique. Yeah, a very worthy entrant into this year's list. So yeah, there you go. Segura versus Tanaka, pro wrestling Noah from the Kawasaki Go Show. All right, up to number 14. And we are going to talk about a match which we didn't actually get a chance to review on the podcast or indeed cover the promotion on the podcast. But I'm certain that we will remedy that next year. I'm talking about Riot Lucha Libre, which is one of the smaller, more up and coming, more underground Lucha Libre promotions. You know, by now that our stance tends to be that we don't cover anything on the podcast that fans international fans can't watch legally and unfortunately that tends to screen out most of the lucha libre promotions because they're geo-blocked or they just don't have international distribution for whatever reason they just hate money they just hate money but um riot lucha libre like money and so they have their (laughs) pivot share on high spots so you can go check out their shows. You can rent their shows. Um, I rented this one. Uh, this was Covidiots from the 21st of March this year for, I think it was £3 or something. So it's a steal, really. And it was it was good stuff. But I remember at the time this match getting all the buzz. It mm. was the Riot champion Ares against El Hijo del Vikingo, uh, who is now the AAA Mega Campeon. So... It, this is a match between two of Mexico's elite performers. Mm. Ares is super interesting because he's not a masked luchador. He wears the face paint, and that's indicative of how different he is. He doesn't fly so much as use that Jalveo style, which is very interesting to watch and just feels very unique in 2021. Vikingo, on the other hand, is an elite high flyer. Oh. You know, is top, he ever? top draw, you know, but top of the food chain high flyer, possibly the best in the world right now. Could be. No, that's an unfair statement. And anyway, the reason that I love this match so much was there was just so many moves and so many things that I hadn't seen before. And that just feels like such a rare thing to mm. say these days. Yeah, how often almost, does that happen? Yeah, and it reminded me that... Mexico remains the melting pot of innovation and ingenuity that it always has been. You just don't get to see it very often as an international fan. But yeah, fortunately, the good folks are riot uh, pumping this stuff out. And I thought this was just a wonderful match. If you have an opportunity to check it out, 
do head over to the Riot Lucha Libre Pivot Share, uh, or the, you can find them through the High Spots website and check this match out. So many cool moves, so many crazy spots. And what was also interesting was this was uh, a closed door show, so there are no fans. And it started off with the two guys wrestling. It was relatively quiet. And then you got the sense that more folk were coming out from the back um, to watch this as it was building into the banger that it turned out to be. In the end, they all ended up all around the ring, like banging on the apron. So, you know, the COVID protocols went out the window. This was so good. So there you go. It was it was a crazy fun match, very unique uh, to see such a high-level lucha match play out like that. And lots of lots of different moves that I've never seen before. So that's why it's in at number 14. And moving up to 13, this was a Asia Dream title match. It was the return of the Asia Dream title at Choco Pro 100 Night 2 on the back on the 28th of March. This was Minoru Fujita taking on Balianaki. Oh, man. The, the reason this has made it onto our list is simply put, just this is indicative of when Choco Pro is firing on all cylinders, how it can just is just so good at making you feel things which you know wrestling doesn't or, you know it certainly can do you know another place it does happen in other places but i really feel like choco pro currently are just the masters of making you you feel things you know uh, balianaki's reaction in defeat and oh god it's hard to think about really <laughs> it's so sad post match is definitely a part of why this is sort of made it onto the list, but you know, the match itself is absolutely fantastic. You know, two sort of, I think underrated guys, you know, you know, you don't hear heaps about unless you're sort of looking in the right places, really loved this match. And it really opened my eyes to how good Minoru Fujita was. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Cause up until that point, I think from our perspective, we'd mainly seen him as part of the pencil army. This was Minoru Fujita unleashed essentially but I remember, Gaz, we were pretty much convinced that Aki was going to oh, take yeah. this. We thought it was you know, nailed on, didn't we? Yeah. And so, you know, the fact not only that he lost, but then his <laughs> his reaction afterwards, it came as a, as a double blow. Mm. And it was just so sad. And It was so sad. It's just, it's so rare that you feel that in wrestling. It's a unique emotion to feel in wrestling. So, yeah, a really poignant and wonderful moment. But, uh, the, you know, that followed an incredible match. Definitely. Yeah. Really, really sort of worthy entry here, I think. But there's so many other matches, even from this these same two nights of Choco Pro 100 that I would love to have had on here too. But, you know, this this just pipped sort of May and Mizuki and, mm. you know, the, you know, Unimon taking on Corey Yonayama. You know, there, yeah. there was so they were just a couple of great, great shows, you know. So I do... Uh, encourage you seek out the whole the whole Choco Pro 100 and and watch it I think you know you won't regret it yep couldn't agree more okay moving up to the number 12 slot and we head down under to PWA Black Label and this is a unique show in the sense that it's the only one on the list and the only one that I can think of in recent memory where the show is eponymous with regards to its main event is Aussie Open Versus the Velocities. That's literally the name of the show. <laughs> they knew the match was going to bang. And so they called the show that. And boy, did it ever. Uh, if you recall at the time, this one actually got some international fanfare because Dave Meltzer rated it. I think it was four and a half or 4.75 mm. stars. Not 
odd in isolation when you consider the constituents of the no. match, but it's very rare that he seems to take notice of the Aussie scene. So for whatever reason, this had caught his attention. And yeah, man, this was a real cracker. It was a longish match. It was fought at an incredibly fast pace. I think it was a real coming out party for the Velocities yeah, as absolutely. a team. And as soon as borders open up, I would expect them to appear in some of the, the name-making places in the US. You know, your PWGs and your GCWs, I I would imagine they're on the shortlist um, for people to import. And Aussie Open are just a world-class tag team. Yeah, this, this was just cutting-edge tag team wrestling. That's a great know. way of putting it. Yeah, 100%. Like you say, the Velocities, I th- think, are going to be here there and everywhere just as soon as they're they're able you know aussie open have been one of the best acts in yeah were one of the best acts in british wrestling in the years you know preceding the pandemic and this was just them back and firing on all cylinders and you love to see it 100 percent. and they did actually win the pwa tag team titles on and- this show as well so yeah huge stakes they are still the champions at press time and I know that they were not keen on defending against the Velocities, um, but you have to feel like that is, that's the match. We've got to go back and do that again. So yeah. maybe it happens in early 2022. I certainly hope so. But that's a big one when it comes around. Yeah, you're going to be a biggie. Yeah, looking forward to them, Aussie Open, popping back up on the Aussie scene, on the UK scene, and making it over to New Japan. Crikey, can you imagine World Tag League with Aussie Open? <laughs> be the first time i've been interested in years (laughs) (laughs) and but speaking of um japan uh next match on the list number 11 comes out of tokyo joshi pro from their 4th of january show tokyo joshi pro 2021 fighting over the princess of princess title was reigning defending champion miyu mashita taking on the challenger maki ito you know this was just a another chapter in the sort of storied feud on again off again sort of friendship what have you between these two you know their their history goes back a long long way and yeah this was just we were torn i think between this or their more recent title match Mm. from wrestle princess 2 but this one just felt that little bit more maybe a little bit more visceral you know i think it served as maybe a little bit of a coming out party for ito in terms of like for me, that's kind of when I really noticed her in ring, really catching up with the other aspects of her game. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Your master is just world class. Like, love seeing her in the ring every single time. I think these two have great chemistry, whether it's as a team or whether they're opposing one another, you know, which is why for me, this got slotted in here, made the best 15. Uh, and, you know, was some of the best work that Tokyo Joshi Pro had to offer this year and coming in only four days into the, the year. Yeah, and it, it was another one that I remember early on was being talked about for end of year lists. You know, mm-hmm. people were saying, oh, wow, they've opened up with a, an absolute crack and, and they had. But it's an interesting one because I, I kind of view these Yamashita Ito matches a bit like I view Jay-Z albums in isolation they're great but what makes them really good is when you play the whole collection and you you see the different story beats and the evolution of the man or in this case the two wrestlers so 
yeah i think this was a great chapter a really exciting chapter and i'm not sure that they're done yet no. i feel like they've probably got one more in them at least you, you you feel like the right answer is for ito to eventually win yes um but i don't know how close we are to that possibly cyber fight festival next year if that mm. goes ahead wouldn't say no to that no because to me and um perhaps this has colored our judgment here i really felt in my heart that she was gonna win the second contest between these two towards yes. the end of the year and it may be that i've got a bit of uh uh, hangover disappointment which is <laughs> shaded my judgment and led mm-hmm. me towards that first contest but if that leads to ito chan winning at cyber fight festival then i can yeah. totally get on board with that biggest possible stage you know and arguably their most marketable or biggest now biggest international name um you know yeah. winning the belt would be huge couldn't agree more. Okay, heading up to number 10, and we're back on the mats in Ichigaya. Choco Pro 108 on the 18th of April. The Best Bros, the Asia Dream Tag Team Champions. We could have populated the entire list with Best Bros matches, but that would have possibly made for quite a repetitive podcast. So instead, we just picked one, and that was a challenge within itself, but we ended up stumping for Best Bros versus Psycho and Chango. And my rationale for this was it was the first title match where I felt like they were in genuine jeopardy. Uh, Psycho and Chango looked like, for the for the largest part of the match, the more cohesive, experienced, well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. They seemed like they had Best Bros number for a while. I remember that I had intended to watch this the night after because I think it was airing in the middle of the night over here in the UK. And I'd happened to wake up... Uh, probably to do something with my daughter. Um, She probably stirred or sneezed or something. So at that point, I'm out of bed making sure everything's okay. And, you know, on my way back, I just flick on the phone, what's going on? Looked on YouTube and this was going on live. And it looked like it was going absolutely crazy. And it looked like the the belts were slipping through the grasp of Mayanaki. So I ended up staying up and watching (laughs) the rest of it. It's like, oh man, this can't be it. And it wasn't, they did retain, but man, it was close. And it really did open my eyes to Psycho and Chango too, who have been uh, uh, a bit of a, a take home for 2021. I'll be following them more closely. Um, but yeah, I thought this was an absolutely brilliant balls to the wall, crazy Chocker Pro tag team match and very much a hallmark of what the best bros have brought since mm. they picked up those titles. Long may they reign. Indeed. Head on up to number nine, number nine, number nine. We've got contested over the IWTV world title. And I think this is the most recent match that has made the list as yet, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I think so. From 5th of December at Fate Forever from Beyond Wrestling, it was Alex Shelley defending his title against Ruby Soho. Yeah. I do think there's a certain amount of recency bias maybe here, but I just thought this was such a great, less is more sort of compact, you know, I think it was like 10 or 12 minutes long, Alex Shelley proving why he's one of the best in the world and why he made our happy list. He's just absolutely fantastic. I just don't think you would get this exact same match from anybody else. They both brought something really interesting. I think, you know, the crowd being, I think the crowd played a big part in why this was such an exciting contest for me. 
Yeah. Basically turning on Alex Shelley and getting right behind Ruby Soho. Alex Shelley embracing the dark side a little. You know, we, we talked about it on a couple of weeks ago now. Maybe not worth going over this one in too much detail. But yeah, just a great contest. And I just can't wait to see more like this, hopefully going into 2022. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And just to say, if you haven't had a chance to check it yet, it's a bite-sized match. I think it's only about 11 minutes or, or something along those lines. Certainly not much longer. Um, why not check it out? It's on IWTV, and that's a, a pretty inexpensive platform as well. And, we and so much stuff on there as well. Out. Yeah, 100%. Loads of good stuff on there, including our next entry. So this is number eight, and we go back to Matt Mikowski's Frog Sport show from April 25th. And this was the Soviet death match between Masha Slamovich and Edith Surreal, two guests that we've had on the podcast this year who are both very fun to talk to. But this was just so unique. I mean, yeah. this one's stuck in both of our minds for a really year, has. Isn't it? Like, for whatever reason, I haven't been able to get this out of my, my head. I should really go back and rewatch it. But it was just, you know, it's a word I maybe overuse a little bit. I just thought this was a really, really idiosyncratic match. You know, I just think you're not going to see this any anything else like this uh this year anywhere i think both these competitors are have got so much sort of charisma to them you know they've got those ineffable qualities um you know it's hard to describe they're both really magnetic and they just put on one hell of a match here yeah in the snow no less it was so unique wasn't it just to see a wrestling ring in the snow and for the whole screen to be white and dives into the snow and things like that. I just, I don't think I'd ever seen it before. And when we were putting the list together, we were tossing up whether to include this or the Masha Slamovich alley catch match from Borsche at the beach where they ended up wrestling in the sea. And that was very unique as well. But I think part of why we ended up opting for this one was because really hadn't seen anything like it at all. This was, when was the last time, or when had you ever seen pro wrestling in the snow it was just so unique the setting was unique the match itself you know the work was great and as gareth said it's two very contrasting but equally charismatic individuals so yeah it was a real home run and a real surprise on a Mm. show that was formatted completely differently you know as a tournament show and then all of a sudden we we head to the snow for this crazy (laughs) match so yeah good good stuff you know one of the things we we talked about off air was we don't have any strict judging criteria for this list it's let's just like what has made us what stood out to us what's made us feel good what have we enjoyed what do our minds go back to but sort of one of the kind of criteria that i brought up was uniqueness for me and Mm. yeah this had that in in spades yeah couldn't agree more. Okay, what have we got at number seven? It's our first foray into the world of New Japan. One of the biggest IWGP World Heavyweight Title matches of the of the year, I would say. And just a real return to form is the wrong way to put it, but a return to prominence, well deserved prominence at the top of a Tokyo Dome card was uh, Shingo Takagi defending against none other than Hiroshi Tanahashi. Tanahashi made his way back to the top of a Tokyo Dome card due to Abushi having to be pulled out at the last minute due to suffering from aspiration pneumonia. But, you know, you couldn't ask for a better guy to step in to fill 
the top of a main event, one half of a main event at the very last minute. You know, the ace of New Japan, you know, he's just he's just the man. And it's just been really lovely this year seeing him kind of having a more renewed focus, you know, having these big matches and seemingly having an amazing time doing so. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, even if it's a you know, quarter or a fifth filled Tokyo Dome, it's still the Tokyo Dome. Mm-hmm. And you need somebody of that stature on top of the card. And Shingo, who's been absolutely brilliant this year, needed that level of dance partner. Mm-hmm. And there's only a few of them in New Japan. And Tanahashi's right at the top of the list yeah. for me. His charisma just fills the room. It's mm-hmm. incredible. And I just thought this was so good. It was so close as well. I really bought into Tana winning. Shingo is arguably the most consistent wrestler on the planet in oh, 2021. Yeah. yeah. Incapable of having a bad match. No, he's done brilliantly well. So, so good. But yeah, man, this was this was huge. It was a really exciting match. The story was brilliant. And after a while, everything in your head told you that Shingo was going to retain. He had to retain. But after a while, you just got that nagging feeling somewhere else that could just be. It's been a crazy year for New Japan. Would it really be so mad to put the belt back on the ace right now? Of course, it didn't happen. But they they took me along for the ride, yeah. and that was wonderful. And I'd love to see that rematch in 2022. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Moving on up to number six, back to Australia. So this was coming very early on in the year. We talked about this at the time and we said at the time that this was likely to make it onto the end of the year list. This was the uh, three stages of hell match between Adam Brooks and Slex contested over the MCW world title. This took place at MCW Homecoming on the 6th of Feb. And Jesus Christ, what a match. Deary me. Yeah, 100%. These guys killed each other and killed themselves yeah they really did i mean poor old slexi in particular we spoke to adam about this a couple of weeks back and if you recall he had managed to not stay busy but certainly get some matches under his belt heading up to this one but slex had not so this was literally his first match back post lockdown and he couldn't have gone harder <laughs> if he tried poor guy you know there was there was everything in this match it was wild and yeah, this is one of those ones, again, a bit like the um, Aussie Open Velocities match. This was one of those few times where you started to hear a bit of buzz internationally about the Aussie scene. A few people mm. talking about this match. I've seen it pop up on a couple of end of year lists. Um, so it did clearly do the job. It sort yeah, of cut through all the noise. 100%. But the, you know, these are two of the country's best, yeah. I would say. They're not going to be around for long, are they? You know, I think obviously ROH had swept them both up but no longer and i don't think it's going to be very long before another american estate side promotion decides they're worth their time and money yep couldn't agree more and you know hats off to both of them and i hope it works out but yeah absolutely this was a cracker and certainly at press time it is available to watch for free on the mcw youtube page so if you haven't already seen it nothing stopping you go head over there now check it out see what the hype was about and let us know what you thought yes absolutely and then moving on up number five you know entering like the golden circle here uh was (laughs) our favorite tag team match of the year this was the aggression taking on Suguragoon um, at the Great Voyage, Noah's Great Voyage on the 7th of March uh, for the GHC tag team titles. Um, and I think, you know, part of 
why this is in here is just an amazing contest. But that finish that is going to be in highlight reels and clips for years to come. Yeah. Kitamir with the prison lock locked in, hitting that headbutt, the, just the perfect trickle of blood and getting the win. It, yeah, just has stuck with me you know, since March, basically, and had to make this list. Yeah, 100%. There's never been a better, uh, more visceral finish than this one. It, this one, I don't think I'll ever forget. This one's going to be imprinted and dented on my mind for the remainder of my years, I've no doubt, because it was just perfectly violent. Mm. You know, there was uh, never a better encapsulation of pro wrestling violence than this scene, as you say. And just... The timing of it, Mark and Stu on the call, the way the bell rang at just the right time as the blood started pouring. It was in, in many ways poetry and equally completely barbaric. So, you know. Really cinematic, I thought. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And look, the match itself was great. You know, you got guys like the Aggression and Segura Goon in there. You're going to have yourselves a a big old hoss fight in pro wrestling Noah and this did deliver but boy oh boy if it was kind of floating around an eight the the finish brought it up to a a nine or a ten it it really did add that much value absolutely number four Liam I think you should take this one away I know you're a really big fan of this one yeah I was I was so this is from the stardom 10th anniversary show on the 3rd of March and it's the Wonder of Stardom title bout between Tam Nakano and Julia, which was uniquely a hair versus hair match. Mm. And it was crazy. This match was wild. Um, Right off the top, I'm remembering a Steiner screwdriver through a table, which (laughs) just to say that sentence is murder, essentially. Um, But this was an interesting one because it was jam-packed with work it was emotional it was hard-hitting but then the post-match where tam picked up the win over julia and that whole scene where julia kind of shrugged her shoulders almost Mm. sat down gone and cut my hair tam was very emotional doing it it was a really interesting and complex scene you know which told you a lot about their respective characters and it was unlike anything i think i'd ever witnessed in pro wrestling i'm I think I said at the time, I'm not a big lover of hair versus hair match, or at least I wasn't until this year, because this year's had two really good ones. <laughs> the, the other being Masa and um, Nakajima, of course, in uh, in Noah. In the cage. Oh, my gosh. And that was, you know, number 16. If yeah. you'd have had 16, then that would have been it. <laughs> so if I'd have caught Gareth the night that we recorded the happy list, then you never know, folks. We might <laughs> just have got it on. But, but yeah, I, this one just was incredible to me, and it marked the beginning of a new arc for julia and we're still kind of seeing where that's going yeah it it felt like this was really the high watermark of the year for for julia in terms of you know memorable really memorable stuff you know she's had a real stop start year sort of due to injuries unfortunately um so i'm really really hoping that we can she can get back on track for 2022 just because she's one of my favorites to watch absolutely and it really put nakano over as a a real legit top act here in stardom i thought 
definitely. And this was one of the matches cited in what has been a uh, a very positive year financially for stardom because of the international press and interest that this match attracted. It certainly started them off on a a good path towards a very profitable year, as as the reports have suggested. Mm. Okay, heading up to number three, and we're going to DDT for Kawasaki Strong, which was on Valentine's Day. And this was, oh my gosh, definitely (laughs) one of my absolute favorites. Could have been number one, to be truthful. Yeah. And and that speaks to the the quality that's above it. But this was Yuki Ueno versus Yukio Sakaguchi for the DDT Universal title. What are your memories of this one? Well, just going back to what I was saying a little bit earlier about uh, judging criteria or kind of lack thereof, um, the kind of uniqueness, this match just felt really unique and unusual to me mm. um this the kind of style of match that they wrestled really sort of caught me unawares you i know winning the ddt universe title from chris brooks you know was a big deal but i felt like this really solidified him as a real threat and you know again is i think really put him over strong and solidified him as a you know really kicked his great universal title run into high gear yeah definitely because sakaguchi's been around a long time everybody that is familiar with ddt knows that he's an assassin Hmm. and he had i believe the story was that he'd had ueno's number Mm -hmm. to an extent and seeing him in there he's he's quite a violent wrestler you know with he's got some form of a martial arts background. He's great with submissions. His strikes are pretty stiff, pretty brutal. And Ueno's not really that guy. You know, he's got good kicks, but he's a more pure wrestler. He's got great athleticism. He does great high spots. So to head into the deep water with someone like Sakaguchi was a, a stern test, you know, in well, what I think was his first defense. But yeah, he came through with flying colors. I just remember the the ground sequences in this mm, one being so mm. unique. You know, it was it was jujitsu, but dramatized. You yes, know, it, absolutely. We've talked about the Josh Barnett Bloodsport shows, and like I always say, I don't not like something. I'm just I haven't quite got it yet, and that's how I feel with Bloodsport. You know, there were a few bits on there that I enjoyed, but I, I haven't. It hasn't landed for me yet. Yeah. I'm open to it. I hope it does, but it hasn't yet. But this was almost what they're doing there, but expressed in a way that was entirely pleasing to my palate. Mm-hmm. It was it was realistic. It was authentic. Uh, the transitions looked genuine as a, as a fan of mixed martial arts. And yet it had the, the flow and the theater of pro wrestling. Mm. This is one of those matches that, would have benefited from uh, Stu on the call. You're like, right. That's one of those things that I really like. Stuart's commentary. It, well, Stuart and Mark. You know, when there's yeah, yeah. Don't discount Mark's background. He'll yeah, call you no, out of on Twitter not. real quick. He'll end me. <laughs> but yeah, but I think both of them are just so good at adding that sense of sport and realism to uh, calling wrestling. You know, so yeah. Again, you know, if there was there was a sort of commentary team uh, end of year list, you guys would be number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. You can't you can't knock that duo. So yeah, a, a really great match. One of my favourites 
of the entire year, possibly of the last five or ten years, to be truthful. Just, I think this is a really good example of what wrestling can be, and I think where wrestling's going. Yeah, good point. Good point. Okay, we're into into the top two now. So there's been some big matches that we haven't mentioned yet that I'm sure people are thinking, well, they've got to be here. So let's put them out of their misery. Yeah, 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 what yeah. is number two, Gareth? Number two is, I would say, almost the antithesis of the earlier hair versus hair match we talked about. It is none other than the Itami Hayashishita taking on Shuri uh, for the World of Stardom title at Tokyo Dream Cinderella Special Edition uh, from the 12th of June. Whereas, you know, Tam and Julia was very emotive, you know, very personal. personal. This was all business. It was it was close to the most sort of perfectly executed match you're going to see this year, I think. Some great huge moves. I just loved their the gestures and the facial expressions from both. It was yeah, it was just absolutely top tier wrestling. And you drew the comparison off air to the AEW match between Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson. Yeah, you know, for a, a, a 30 minute sort of draw, I think it's a very apt sort of comparison, similar quality level, I would say, you know, right up there. It would have been, it's the sort of thing with a decisive finish, could conceivably be a five star match. But yeah, just about as, as good a pro wrestling match, pure pro wrestling match as you're going to see. Well, I mean, this one did break the melts of scale, did it not? I think it went over five stars from Big Dave. I believe so. But, you know, just my my personal metric, I find it really hard to kind of, you know, a match with a non, non-finish. There's just something not entirely satisfying about that. I think I need that satisfaction to give something the full five. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, this is crazy because, the you know, in many ways, melts are giving it that rating seem to spring it into the next mm. the next level in terms of notoriety you know everybody was picking up on this yeah. then people because went it to was, seek it out yeah it was the, it's the highest rated women's match that he's ever rated which yeah. is crazy really uh, you know amazing given the sort of matches that come before it so you know high praise really regardless of what you think of dave's opinions whether they chime with you or not you can't discount the fact that the blokes watch a lot of wrestling so you know that's that's very impressive indeed and it was also noted that this match alongside the the tam and julia match you mentioned earlier was another key driver to the inflows into stardom um so in terms of them raising their profile this year Mm. those two matches have done a huge amount which is incredible really for two one-on-one matches to have had that much of an Mm. effect on a company we well we know who the who the drawers are of, of stardom now i guess yeah well it's just it's just great stuff and again you know we've got a rematch to look forward to i believe in the not too distant future and it's an interesting one because for the longest time it really felt like julia was the champion elect and she might still be but certainly for this year ever since this match at least the stories have been all about Shuri. You know, it's a Tommy and it's Shuri. That's the that's the match. That's mm-hmm. the feud. So let's run it back and see what happens. Yeah. Very excited to to see this match once more, but with a finish. <laughs> with a finish. So there we go. Then what could have possibly beaten that match? I hear you say. <laughs> well, hold your hats, folks. We're about to reveal the number one spot 
and our favourite matches of 2021. We head back to the mats, Chocolate Square, Ichigaya, for an Ironman match between Chris Brooks and Lulu Pencil, Gareth. So if the Asia Dream title match between Aki and Fujita was notable because it moved us to sadness... The Lulu Pencil Chris Brooks Iron Man match is notable because it moved me to tears of joy. Literal, literal. I was so happy for Lulu. I was shedding tears. You know, I think that speaks volumes about how just the culmination of an incredible months long storyline here. Lulu, the the twists and turns of Chris Brooks joining the Pencil Army and portraying Lulu and, you know, thinking she wasn't a real wrestler and, you know, her finally getting that, you know, she didn't win the match. She, she didn't win the match. That's what's so crazy. It was heartwarming, but the story was so, so well crafted and well told that it, she didn't need to win the match. She just won a full and she won the the ideological war really yeah. you know she prevailed she proved that she was a wrestler and you know the post-match and how emotional that was and brooks conceding that she was a wrestler and shaking her hand it was incredible stuff it was proper drama this um, you know i rarely been quite so on the edge of my seat for a wrestling match yeah, because as it picked up at the end and you just felt that she was so, so close. But we all know Lulu Pencil's win-loss record. We know that <laughs> yeah. those wins are, are hard, very, very hard, near impossible to come by, or at least they have been. And, you know, we're clutching at straws here, but you just felt like there was a chance. And when it finally happened, it was amazing. I literally jumped out of my yeah. seat. It was incredible. And this is the thing, folks. It's it's an art form at the end of the day and it's supposed to make you feel something. And I, whereas all the matches on this list and others that we have unfortunately haven't had an opportunity to mention have made us feel one thing or another. This was the strongest emotional reaction Mm. I had to anything all year. And for that reason, it deserves to be number one in my mind. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I really think this is, there's not a more deserving match you know i think this you know this being number one and just the match in itself it really is the sort of personification of our kind of ethos of pro wrestling yeah yeah 100 this is the philosophy right here this match if you're kind of listening to this and you're just like you know like if this match isn't for you then we probably aren't for you <laughs> yeah i mean i can understand it if you're looking for something else but i would just encourage you to approach it with an open mind and just do your best to get up on the backstory because that helps us a huge amount and understand the stakes yeah it's not one to watch in isolation in a vacuum Uh, it probably loses the vast majority of its power and you'd be like scratching head what am i watching but with the context, it is just... It's powerful. So there we go, folks. We did it. 15 to 1. Our top matches, our favourite matches of the year 2021. That is officially crystallised. It's in the books. Gareth, congratulations, sir. 
we've been struggling with this one for a couple of weeks now we finally <laughs> made it thank goodness for that uh, like if you did a search of our whatsapp messages and just typed in list you'd it would just be like hundreds of messages being like i'm really struggling with this list yeah. i'm really struggling with this this list is giving me a nightmare angry face emoji poo yeah. face emoji just <laughs> yeah dreadful <laughs> we've, we've, we've done it and i'm I'm actually now we're at the other side of it. I'm really, really happy. Um, I think this really encapsulates. I think it's a really good overview of the year that was 2021 in pro wrestling outside of um, the ease. Yeah, 100%. And that is all we aim to do. So there we go, folks. On this here New Year's Eve, we're going to bid you adieu here and set you off to enjoy your celebrations. And we will see you in 2022 for all of those crazy shows that populate the start of the year. It's going to be Ugh. madness. We're going to have more interviews. We're going to be covering more shows. We're going to be announcing some really fun stuff uh, near the beginning of the year. So make sure you stick with us. Uh, if you do have a friend or somebody you think that might enjoy our stuff, then please do consider putting them our way. But I should say, actually, just before we get to the plugs, you know, on, on behalf of Gareth and myself, just thank you so much for joining us this year. It's been a real pleasure um, to see that interaction develop online. You know, we've had a really good time getting to know some of you guys on social media and long may it continue. So, yeah, it means a lot. So thanks so much for, oh, for yeah. vibing with us. Absolutely. Thank you so, so, so much. It's, it's really made... 2021 for me you know doing this podcast interacting with you know everybody that chooses to get in touch with us i think it would have been a real struggle this year without this podcast you liam and you know you the the listeners but also before we go let us know do you agree do you disagree with our list it's all very subjective but we'd love to know you know what you think we missed out on or if there's anything you wildly agree with or you think we rated too low or too high let us know like i just want to continue having this conversation with you uh, moving on into 2022. Yep, 100%. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, folks, we are out of here. So if you want to catch up with us, keep in touch, send us your list, send us your messages. You can do so on Instagram and or Twitter. We're at Wrestling Pod. That's wrestling without the E. You can email it if it's a particularly long list, probably the best way to go. <laughs> We're at wrestlingpod at gmail.com. Again, wrestling without the E. Wrestlingpod.com is the place where all the links are at. So you can find places to listen, our personal Twitters and all that sort of fun stuff. And that does it for us, folks. So thank you so much. Enjoy your new year. And in the meantime, stay happy, stay safe and enjoy the graps. <laughs>